From Alaska Teen Media Institute, this is Podcast in Place, Youth Stories from Quarantine, a series about youth in Alaska during the COVID-19 pandemic. We're bringing you stories, interviews, and audio diaries from socially distanced teenagers and young adults. I'm ATME producer Tyler Felsen, recording this on a Sennheiser microphone in Evanston, Illinois, since the ATME studio is still closed. We're going to take another trip around the world for this episode to Costa Rica to hear about how the pandemic has impacted people there. ATME senior producer Daisy Carter has family who live in Costa Rica. Her cousin, Andres Cañas, came up to Alaska to visit this spring. They sat down to talk about how the pandemic has affected life for him, his friends and family, and the different ways Costa Rica has responded to the virus. They spoke on April 8, 2021. I'm 18 years old and in Costa Rica I love like doing trips and going like outdoors I love going to the beach in Costa Rica what's your favorite beach in Costa Rica my favorite beach in Costa Rica is in Guanacaste it's maybe Tamarindo Beach is in Guanacaste province it has the Pacific Ocean it's like five hours from the capital yeah, it's like this uh, rejected. I mean, they have restaurants, have everything you need, have supermarkets, and have a pretty nice beach. Can you tell us a little bit about life before COVID? Activities that you do, parties, or, you know, the university that you went to? Okay, before COVID, we have in-person, I am in university, so we have in-person university. I went to university like four times a week. And Probably I will see my friends like two or three times a week. I will stay in university just for hanging out, maybe in the library or something like that. Um, we also do like so much, not like far trips, just like road trips to, to some um, maybe mountains. So like two hour drive, one hour drive. We just stay up there. We see the sunset with my friends. We will come back. Um, my university has uh, like a really famous street full of bars in front so it's like very common that university students just um, get out of class and go to the bars maybe two times a week something like that okay and that all kind of stopped once COVID hit yes like for six months that was nothing of that oh okay if you can take us back to March 2020, um, the COVID restrictions are starting to become more popular around the world. Um, what were some of the, do you remember some of the first things that Costa Rica did in like for restrictions? Uh, yes, like first things Costa Rica did was like on March 10th. It was like uh, one week after we have our first two cases of COVID, it, uh, university closes. Uh, high school and schools closes. Um, actually, restaurants and bars closes too. I think just supermarkets were open. 
um, and the drugstore. And then we have this restriction that was like that no car can go to the street after like 7 p.m., I think. When did your family kind of start taking, you know, precautions to, like, in Costa Rica? Um, in our case, we started taking precautions when when the government started with the restrictions, like March 10, 13th, maybe. So, like, people just went out. We just went out, like, to the supermarket to, I mean, get food and get whatever we need. The supermarkets were full, like, people was getting crazy there was so many people in the supermarket but there was like from for march that we only get to supermarket we like we didn't see our friends we didn't see our families and we were like literally just in our house i know my family was really concerned with you know the virus at first so how did you how did your family kind of plan hunt green down in the beginning the beginning i mean my family was like not so relaxed but we weren't not like we didn't fear like we were not like really concerned like we do follow the restrictions we were in our house but we were not like fearing if we get the, the virus like if we get it, okay, but we hope we don't get it. But if we get it, we just will try to not to spare it in all our family or our friends or something like that. How did your family and friends, I'm more curious about your friends, kind of how did they handle their um, the restrictions? Okay, in my case, the restrictions start, as I told you, on March like 10, 13th. And... I didn't see my friends like until maybe middle of May or June. I didn't see them. We'll do like, you know, FaceTimes. We just talk by the phone. But like after June, we start seeing each other. Like maybe we see just like three of us, two of us, just like go to eat, something like that. Then maybe and uh, like in August or September, the restrictions were losing a little bit. So we start seeing like more, more frequently. And we started like a, a bigger group. Maybe we'll see like six, seven. And we start like, you know, if my friend have some, like a vacation. Okay, so you know, if my, if my friend have a vacation house, maybe we will go like, seven eight people to the house for a weekend and we'll come back we will do that like maybe twice a month something like that and then is when we start like seeing each other like frequently and almost with normality like in september i know we were talking a little bit before the interview and you've been here for about a month mm -hmm. um so we were kind of talking about how we our tests are free mm -hmm. and how our vaccinations are gonna be free can you talk a little bit about how that's different you know here than over there okay actually in costa rica we have free covid tests that the government does but it may take and i mean like you have to have an appointment and if you have an appointment maybe a week far from today 
so it doesn't make like sense so you have to take a private test that will cost like $100 and then vaccination we have started vaccination it is free for everyone but it goes like we don't have so many shots so you got like from ages so like old people i think by now like old people 85 and older are already vaccinated and they go like lower now they're going by that 70s i think so like for me i'm 18 i probably will get vaccinated like six months seven months i don't know but it's free I know in the United States, people have a new problem of misinformation spreading during COVID-19. Do you know of any problems or myths or misinformation that was spread about the virus specifically in Costa Rica? Yes, I don't know if it was specifically in Costa Rica, but I mean, like, we in Costa Rica thought, like, every symptom of, of anything will be COVID-19. Like, I don't know, at first, if you're ankle hurts but like oh COVID-19 your joints I mean things like that that now we know that they're not true but we also there was a moment that I don't know people start thinking that okay almost our our supplies like our house daily supplies they come from China so there was a moment people start thinking that China will stop sending us supplies Mm. so like in middle March, April, like starting the pandemic. So people just go to the supermarket and will buy like a bunch of things, like so much things, even people get out, like they can't bought because they we don't have any more because they thought that China will stop sending us supplies. So there was a moment where there so many people were buying so many like useless things where the people that actually needed it like couldn't get to it yes yes because like people just thought like okay so i will have in my house like in case they they really start stop sending us things so i will have in my house and maybe have i don't know four or five packages of paper tower and maybe another house they completely don't have so people would take kind of like paper towels and stuff that you use like on a daily basis because you thought that China would stop shipping to Costa Rica? Yes. Okay. I know here in the United States, we've gotten, well, we're supposed to get our third stimulus check, which is basically like money that the government gives us mm-hmm. for, you know, staying home and being safe. Mm-hmm. Has Costa Rica kind of had a government financial aid for the citizens? It has, but okay, it wasn't for all the citizens. Like, okay, you have to send a form to the government to demonstrate that you actually have no work and to demonstrate that you actually have no work because of the pandemic. Because there was so people who had work like before pandemic, but you have to demonstrate that you don't have work because of pandemic. And they will give you an economic aid that and will be just for two months. So, and not for everyone, like, okay, they just told like, okay, we have like, we can give this, this help just for, I don't know, half a million persons. Mm-hmm. So maybe they have like 1 million forms, but they just can give the help to the, the half of them. So 
what you guys basically did was say, here's a form that you can fill out if your job, like if you lost your job because of the pandemic, you were able to get financial aid. Yes, because in Costa Rica, we don't have that program you have over here. Like if you don't have a job, I mean, the government can help you like economically. But it's only if your job was affected directly by COVID-19. Yes. Yes. So you talked that you were, um, you talked a little bit about how you were a university student mm -hmm. um, up here in Alaska. I would say that we had a pretty smooth, for at least for my university, we had a pretty smooth transition from in-person to online schooling. Um, unfortunately, it happened like in the middle of our spring semester. But I would say it went pretty smoothly. If any UAA administrators are listening, good job. <laughs> So how did your switch from in-person schooling to to online schooling? Was it a smooth transition? No, it actually was really rough. Like I was I have gone to university like for maybe almost two months. And I mean just one Friday they just told us, okay, this is your last day. On Monday you just will have online classes. But on Monday, they just told us like, okay, so we don't, we won't have online classes. We will just stop the semester over here. And we have like two months of vacations, like waiting for COVID, you know, like to go a little bit down so we can, they, they wanted to go to in-person classes again, but these two months passed and they just told like, okay, we can go back to in-person classes. So, and next Monday, we're going to start, we're going to like continue with the semester we already have started, but in, in online. So it was completely rough. And in the other big university in Costa Rica, we have two. So in the other one, they were just like getting into classes. I mean, like there's literally started classes on, on, on Monday and on Thursday. They told them, okay, uh, from today on, we'll have online classes. So they, they didn't stop like for a while. Do you know when you're going to go back into in-person classes or has, you know, the administrators, the directors kind of talked about the the plan going back into in-person classes? And uh, no, we don't, we don't know anything. Like we have in my university, we have here like rumors, like, okay, all teachers and all students they think and they said and we want to go back to in-person classes like second semester of this year but like administration and uh, the heads of the university like they haven't um, tell us anything we'll be right back Even though all of us at ATME have been working from home during the pandemic, we are still looking for youth to join our team. As a youth producer, you can conduct interviews like the one you're listening to right now, edit audio, record voiceovers, help write scripts, and much more. And all of that is paid work. So if you are between the ages of 13 and 24, living in Alaska and interested in joining ATME, go to alaskateenmedia.org join. You can also email us at news at alaskateenmedia.org. Now back to Daisy's interview with her cousin, Andres.
So here we have a um, like a head of viruses and disease doctor, Dr. Fauci, and he's recently kind of come out and talked about another um, disease that's plaguing, you know, us other than COVID-19 or our nation other than COVID-19, which is depression and anxiety from being inside um, since being quarantined for so long. Um, have you noticed um, people's mental health changing kind of in Costa Rica? I think it actually has changed a lot, mostly in students. It will be high, high school students and university school students. I mean, like, that has been, a, like, a really clear change. But now in Costa Rica, we have, like, everything open. So now people, like, can see their friends. They're actually seeing their friends. It's very common. So I think that's getting better. But for the for the time we were actually quarantined in our houses, it was like personally I I didn't have anything of that. But yeah, I, I know most of my friends were really like anxious to go out. You know, like when you get told like you can't go out, so you just want like to go out. So most of my friends get to to feel that anxiety. Like our way of being in Costa Rica is like pretty you know like relax we go like in our way and everything's okay but most of university students actually have anxiety really hard because the two big universities in Costa Rica they are like really hard and students are like they really okay in college in Costa Rica we have like five six years until we have our degree so in Costa Rica, most people, like young people, they want to have their degree like faster than that because it's kind of a while. So they will like get too much credits and they will get like so much pressure and they will have these, these you know, the diseases. But it's not that common in Costa Rica. It's kind of rare in Costa Rica. You know, we talked a little bit in the beginning about vaccine rollout, but... Do you know much about the, you know, vaccine rollout? Is there a plan? Um, do you know personally anyone who's gotten the vaccine? If so, which one? If yeah. You know. Okay, as I told you, like, they are going by ages, like, to older, to younger. Right now, they are, like, from 70 olders. And that that's, like, the plan, you know? Like, we're having, like, the Pfizer vaccine. We have, like, maybe 100,000 doses like each two weeks and we're like uh, actually we have like so little population we only have like five million people so with a hundred doses like two weeks is kind of okay so they are going by ages they already they already vaccine all uh, like medical people like medical workers they're all vaccinated and Actually, my grandmother get got the second doses like one week ago. She's really happy because I mean she has eighty five years. She like she's a pretty social person. She loves going out. She loves talking to people, and she just was in her house. She actually well, we see her. We as family see her, but she wants like to see her neighbors and her friends it, she actually have friends so <laughs> she wants to to see her friends and now she can go to the 
to to get a walk and just start talking with whoever she finds out in her road you know so she's really happy because of that because she had to keep keep in her house like for so much time and what that was affecting her yeah well, that's really nice that you're that you're 85 you're abuelita got vaccinated yeah. so you said that the country is like completely open can you kind of describe the steps of because it's I mean like it's been a year mm -hmm. has there been steps of opening or was it just like one minute you guys are super duper locked in and then it's just a free-for-all or was there kind of steps no we have steps like okay at first they open like at first they open restaurants and they open like the tourist parts of the country because okay our our economy mostly depends on our tourism so with with this of COVID-19 our economy really goes really bad so they at first open like you know the beach like most tourist places that people will like to go so we can reactivate that part and then like in the in the capital We just like start okay, start with with restaurants, and then and shops. Uh, ah, okay, and we have this restriction I told you about of the cars. Mm -hmm. So we have it at first. We have like a seven p.m. Then we have like a five p.m. Then they open restaurants until seven p.m. with the cars until seven p.m. They will open. Then will be until nine p.m. like restaurants and cars and shops until nine p.m. And then at last they will open bars that was pretty close. And now we have like restaurants, bars, shops, our tourist area, like fully open, everything is open until 11 p.m. At 11 p.m. all have to be closed. Okay, so from what I understand, your kind of first restrictions was that like not even cars or businesses could be open until seven. Like yes. that was like the first time. Yes. And then the second time they could stay like um, restaurants and you can have cars until 9 p.m. No, we get back because we get like more cases per day. So we get back to 5 p.m. Mm. Like everything has to close at 5 p.m. So you kind of had you guys kind of had to set back even more because your your guys' cases were kept rising? Yes. And that's when... We go again to 7 p.m. And then we go to 9 p.m. I know you said that you don't really follow kind of the COVID-19 like kind of stuff. Um, but do you know if that kind of effectively made the cases go down, having a kind of time, a time limit for when people can be out? Okay, I, I don't think like that really affects because... What people did, like, after 7 p.m., they also did, like, before 7 p.m. The only difference is what, like, people do their things all in the morning or, I mean, like, before that restriction starts. So, like, people do the same things. People go to the same restaurants. Now people go to bars. Like, just, they, uh, the bars close at 10, 30, 11 p.m. So, they just get there early. So it's like kind of the same. Were the police or whatever administration there is there to kind of regulate people going out, were they pretty strict on if they see a car out, like they were going to pull them over and be like, where are you going? Like, you have to be home. Like, are they pretty strict about, you know, keeping people out within those timelines? At first they did. At first, when we have 7 p.m. restriction and 5 p.m. restriction, they actually did. They were really like, they will give you a fine 
and you actually can get your car like taken away taken away yeah but now they are not that strict like okay yeah the people right now they drive at whatever hour and that's okay like after 11 p.m there are no cops in the street they are like just for emergencies so the you see cars in the streets at that hour and it's kind of normal I think something you said er like earlier when we were talking, um, not here, but like a couple of days ago, when we were talking is because you said that like the people that already got it, got it, you know? Yeah, like we have we have like a disease percentage, like really low. Like maybe I think it's like, oh yeah, yeah I think it's like one percent. Like, what do you mean by have diseases? Okay, our percentage of people that that get COVID nineteen that died is really low. It's really low. Oh. Yeah, like just one percent of people with COVID in Costa Rica died. Oh, so you guys' percentage of infected to death was like really low. Yeah, it's really low. Yeah. So most people in Costa Rica just get like you know get well in two weeks and they're okay. It's also because you guys are super healthy. I think we're, yeah. Yeah, because in the United States, like we have so many, like the main cause of, of of death in the United States is um, heart related um, diseases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, in Costa Rica, like and we COVID nineteen persons that died. I think it's really low because we also have a really good healthcare system, so we have. We have actually space for everyone that needs uh, anything like a bed or to be in the hospital. They can be in the hospital for free. And we have actually, we did build a new hospital just for COVID-19 cases. So I think that really helped like people get well soon. Did you, did you guys' capacity for beds ever get like severe? Yeah, we were, we, there was a time that we all like in the... Our intensive care was almost full. I mean, in the whole country, we get to have, I think, that only like 10, bed, 10 beds left. So, but then it started like, you know, going down and we started, they let people or they will like get well and they will just go to the normal part of the hospital. And we started like getting more, more beds for everyone. And I think there's not one people in Costa Rica that didn't die because of COVID-19 because they didn't have the opportunity to get a bed in the hospital or in the intensive care. So you don't think that if people died of COVID-19, it wasn't because there was little resources for them to get, like, to get help? No, I think that, I think that health care in Costa Rica managed the situation really good. I mean, they all, they but some new beds and some new equipment for the emergency. And also our university, actually the one I am, the university uh, built some like handmade um, respirators. So that helped a lot to the, to the medical healthcare. That's really cool. So your university actually built like new respirators. Yeah, because I mean, the respirators are really like expensive. And the government bought some, but they don't have the resources 
to like you know like what more and we thought we will need more so the university started making some handmade respirators in the past year i've had family come up here to alaska can you kind of talk about your trip from costa rica to alaska like we're were there people wearing masks on both flights? How many people were on the flights? How um, was there any like interactions? Because I know when I went to DC, there was an interaction where this guy just refused to wear a mask and they were like, sorry. And actually there was someone kicked off of the plane because they weren't wearing their mask. So was there any any like incidences or can you kind of talk about your travels coming up here? No, I actually think that in my travel coming up here was like really safe in COVID terms. Because, okay, I, I took three planes. So my plane, Costa Rica, Dallas, was like almost empty. Like in my row, like the six seats of the row, I was the only person in the row. Then in my trip, in my plane, Dallas, LA, was completely full. Like the, the plane was completely full. I have people like all around me. I was kind of scared. But I mean, everyone has masks, like in the plane, no, in, in the plane, nobody like take out the mask or nothing. So I think it's kind of, I mean, okay. And in my plane from LA to Alaska, to Anchorage, it was the same that the first plane, it was completely empty. I have the six seats for me. Mm-hmm. And in the airport, airports, I mean, they, there was people without mask, but they were like kind of, you know, like far away from people because maybe they were like eating or something. So, and I haven't, I don't, I didn't have, I didn't see any incident of people like that didn't want to wear masks. I mean, I do see like people that wear like masks in the wrong way, you know, with a nose out or in their chin or something like that, but like nothing more than that. Oh, that's good. Okay. Well, thank you for letting me um, interview you. It's a great interview, <laughs> great talk, um, and yeah. That was At Me Senior producer Daisy Carter speaking with her cousin Andres Cañas. You've been listening to Podcast in Place, youth stories from quarantine from Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Devin Schreckengost with additional music by Kendrick Whiteman. The interview is edited by Ormond Alois. Stay tuned for more stories from quarantined youth. You can find these stories at alaskateenmedia.org, where we have included resources for youth during quarantine in partnership with the State of Alaska Division of Behavioral Health. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including John O'Hara and James McCoy. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and to help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like Atme. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our series on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And don't forget to check out our website, alaskateenmedia.org. There you can learn more about what our organization does, discover more youth-produced content, or find out how to get involved. 
You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Tyler Felsen. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. We'll get through this together.